We're talking beat-up tech stocks on this technology edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool HQ in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Friday, November 13th. Watch out where you walk, Dylan. And joining me to talk about earnings uh, devastation in the tech sector is the one and only Dylan Lewis. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I think this is kind of like the give me your tired, your poor, your huddled tech stocks. Oh, like, God. Like the, <laughs> like the great Colossus episode. They should build a mini uh, Statue of Liberty and just like put it in Silicon Valley for these guys. Yeah. And then they'll just acquire them. Anyway, yeah. um, so we're talking about three tech stocks. Um, you did the research on two of them. I did the research on one of them. Yeah. You want a rock, paper, scissors for who goes first? Okay. All right, ready? ready? Rock, rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. Oh, oh, I lost. All right. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's my turn. It is, yes. Um, I'm surprised you threw scissors. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm a rock guy. Really? Yeah. I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do like the number game next time. You know, oh, it's, yeah. Where it's like odds or evens. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm going to start gaming it too much and learn yeah. your tendencies. I love the game theory that goes into rock, paper, scissors. Because it's like, oh, will they keep doing it or will they change it up? What's the changing up going to mean? Love it. It's one of the few childhood games that persists yeah. as an adult and actually works. Like tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Game over. No. As an adult. It's, it's cats all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so the first company we're talking about is Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have a attachment for this company. Um, do. My son does. He actually knows how to pull up Pandora on our phone and play nursery rhymes, which nice. is endlessly scary. But anyway, I always forget about how deep their catalog is in terms it's... of you know, like beyond like standard pop rock music, like the stand up com- uh, comedy channels that they have, like some of the kids stuff that they have. Yeah. It's Mary Poppins, yeah. ABCs, the, the things you forget Barney. about when you don't have children. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Benefits of the product aside, they're having a rough time making money. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so basically with them, like earnings happened, right? I mean, yeah. like that that's what happened, uh that's what caused all this devastation. So uh the company reported in late October, you know, over the last three months they'd reached peaks of like twenty two bucks a share. Uh they're down around like thirteen right now. When we last talked about them, where was it? I mean, the number 25 pops into my head, but I feel like that's wrong. Anyway. No, it was a little lower than that and when we did our check-in yeah. uh, post-acquisition okay. of uh, Ticketfly. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that was about a month ago. So, okay. And they were, they were in the high teens, maybe low 20s around then. Um, basically, in their quarterly report, we look at some of the main metrics for their business, and they were a little disappointing. So uh, listening hours and active listeners, those are kind of your two money right. uh, metrics to look at for an ad-based business. Uh, so listening hours were up... Just three percent year over year, and down three percent sequentially. This is 2015. We're all supposed to be moving to the cloud and online and stuff. CDs are supposed to be dead. Those are really low. Yeah, that's not what you want. Not what you want. Uh, and active listeners up two percent year over year. Uh, so they reached 78 million, but down two percent sequentially. So again, like you're seeing some growth year over year, but like you're not seeing it sustained over the calendar year, which is kind of frustrating. Do you feel like, and you might you know, have some thoughts on this later, but have they reached the saturation point? Because $78, uh, 78 million listeners is a respectable number. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is it, you know, they got everybody and now they just need to wait 10 more years for more people or what? I think that's the market concern right now. Uh, so you look at an ad-based business, the ways to make more money are to grow your listener base or have your listener base on there longer, right? right. Like that, like that. Those are the multiples right. in that equation. And so, um, if you see them starting to plateau, then you need to see them also becoming profitable, right? right. Like the, the people that invest in tech have an appetite for losses so long as it's coming with nice growth that can eventually be monetized well, right? And I think people are worried that we're hitting saturation on the service 
but the monetization plan isn't clear yet. And it could be even more cloudy in uh, like a month or so when the new ruling comes out on their royalty rates. Right. And uh, that's, of course, still uh, remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, revenues were up a bunch, but for funny reasons. Yeah, so they were up 30% year over year. Uh, they hit $311 million in revenue, which was pretty solid. For a quarter, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, but losses widened. Uh, they got crushed with legal settlements um, about some song royalties uh, that dated prior to like 1972, I think. So this was something that had just been kind of like tagging them along for a little while. Michael uh, Jackson's <laughs> estate owner of the Beatles album suing them? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so they wound up with a charge of like, I think it was like 85 or $90 million. If... If that hadn't been there, would it have been a decent quarter? It would have been all right. I think they would have been just about break even. Okay, so but, this is still yeah, highly, but, highly depressing. But yeah, I mean, it was a big charge for them to take, um, and obviously the market was not happy to see uh, the losses widen. But I think it's really more of an issue of the core metrics for the business: uh, right. the active listeners and listening hours. Got it. Okay. So, are people willing? How how much more rope does Pandora have with Wall Street? Yeah, I, I think there are some silver linings here. So, I'm, full disclosure, I'm a shareholder, uh, and I am definitely... Plug in your portfolio, <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's important to note. Um, and I'll say, it's I'm a little frustrated because I was watching the climb recently, and you saw... Uh, over the last couple months, like I said, they hit that peak, you know, in the low twenties, and a lot of that was due to the market thinking that they would have a very favorable ruling uh, with the new royalty agreement. Because was be was it a lower court or what was it that they got the the hint of a better ruling? It was it was basically that uh, a an agreement that they reached with an independent label okay. was yeah, yeah, yeah. was decided that it could be a reasonable benchmark right. for okay. larger negotiations, and so um, that was obviously something that worked very well for their cost structure and the market was happy about it um so <laughs> we had this climb you know over the past couple months because of that and uh you know th- it's not that the business outlook changed at all like the streaming space was still becoming more crowded and so i think i'm personally a little frustrated that i didn't see that and have right. a little more hindsight i think uh might have been a good time to get out but um i have to say i really do like the ticket fly that was my other question so you're still happy about that because from what i remember about it it still sounds like a really good idea yeah when we did the show a little while back i was super bullish on that um i think it's something that integrates extremely well into their platform as is and i think as a standalone business it's pretty solid you know uh to have something like that under your umbrella is great it's like I think the concert business is like a six billion dollar business right now yeah right now it's being dominated by live nation um you know, or the Ticketmaster owned by Live Nation. Well, and it seemed like a win-win for everybody because if memory serves, um, Live Nation and just Ticketmaster and everybody, they do like Taylor Swift tickets. They'll mm. be better for the second tier, like the yeah. I don't want to name names, but people that aren't Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. So I mean, I went to a show last night in D.C. At, at Black Cat, which is like, you know, maybe an 150-person venue, uh-huh. and Ticketfly sold the tickets. Boom. Like that, they are the yeah. mid-market. Uh, ticket seller, like, yeah. and then they're they're perfect for people like that. And I think it's a largely underserved market. Did right you now. find the band on Pandora? I did not. Uh, I think NPR okay. got me over to the oh, band. Gosh, so <laughs> I would not have guessed that. By the way, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an NPR listener. What can I say? Um, you Boston is. So I think Ticketfly is a, definitely a big catalyst for them, and it's something that I, I'm going. I have a small position with them, so I think I'm going to hold it and see what happens. Right, um, because I, I like what's going on there, and. There's the possibility. I was talking with Vince, uh, you know, our CG analyst, a little bit earlier, and I said, "There's the possibility. This is like kind of like an eBay, PayPal type thing, where mm-hmm. it's like they wind up with this better business under their umbrella, right. At some point, you know, like that might become the more viable option, right? Um, so I'll have to spin it off, <laughs> right? I mean, it remains to be seen. Like that's you know a little bit of speculation here, but um, 
the other thing that I think investors want to keep in mind is so these were rough numbers, and you know it, it's kind of surprising to see numbers sequentially dip. Like even right. even in the, some of the struggling social media companies, even if year over year growth isn't fantastic, you'll at least see one percent or two percent climbs sequentially. Um, and so something to keep in mind is that Apple Music introduced its product at the end of June, and that was a free trial product, right? So when does the trial end, Dylan? <laughs> so so after three months, you look at the period that Pandora was reporting for. Right, a good portion of that was while Apple was running its free trial. So they held their own when a major competitor ramped up. Yeah, that that is if you're trying to defend right. these poor business metrics right now. Um, and, and I think in the coming quarters, now that most people will be off of. Uh, that free trial, we'll be able to see whether this is a momentary dip influenced by that, or if the competitive pressure from Spotify, Apple Music, etc., are just too difficult to overcome. I happen to think there will be a decent number of defectors from Apple Music. I remember uh-huh. seeing a stat that like 61% of people that had Apple Music had turned on, turned off the auto enroll uh-huh. option. Uh, you know, oh, so they wow. so they wouldn't be rebuilt once right. the trial ended. So I don't know that Apple Music is going to be as sticky as people think. Right. But um, you know, again, I think if you're looking for something to be happy about with Pandora, still, mm-hmm. it's ticket fly. It's not quite you right. know the the core business right now. Cool. Uh, so uh, since you beat me at rock paper scissors, <laughs> you get to talk about your other company before I get to talk about mine. Um, who are we talking about next? We are going to talk about FireEye. Oh gosh! And how did I know you would do this? Another Dylan Lewis holding. Um, <laughs> now, full disclosure: you own it. A yes. lot of people in this building like it. Yeah. Um, they have the. This is the the best bullish. I'll just preface this. Uh, they've got the only certification for the federal government of the United States for. Yeah, something something. I, I can give you the specifics if you want. If you want to. Open yeah, it. let's yeah. do that. Okay. So, uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has certified FireEye's multi-vector virtual execution engine and dynamic threat intelligence cloud platform under the Safety Act. I will give you twenty dollars <laughs> to say that again five times fast. <laughs> oh God, I couldn't. I no couldn't way. Try. Okay. Uh, and so they you are. You nailed that, by the way. Yeah. Right. I was. I was shocked because I yeah. remember we actually. This is rehashing what we talked about a couple podcasts ago. And I, I stumbled all over Butchered that sentence. It, yeah. it was brutal. So um, they are currently the only company that enjoys that certification. So that's fantastic. That's pretty cool. And basically yeah. what it does is it protects customers of FireEye against allegations of uh, like technological negligence uh, when it comes to acts of cyber terrorism. Okay. So, it's, it's, so it's basically protecting them against any like lawsuit liability, that kind of thing. So Dylan, if Uncle Sam loves them so much, why is their stock <laughs> down so much? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, uh, tied to earnings. I mean, that's going to be the theme, I think, throughout the show. Um, in their case, I think it came down a little bit more to them being overly ambitious when they provided guidance last quarter and maybe not realizing that they were going up against some pretty tough comps from the Are they before. newbies to playing the Wall Street earnings projection game? Uh, no, I mean, they've been, <laughs> they've been around for a little bit. I, I think it's, like I said, it's just maybe getting caught up a little bit in not realizing that the previous year's quarter was absolutely stellar, and they landed a very large contract that I think influenced their results pretty heavily. Right. Um, so basically, one quarter ago, uh, they talked about their guidance for this quarter, and you know they said that uh, for eight consecutive quarters, uh, they've raised their quarterly bill- billings guidance, which is one of the main metrics they use. Okay. And um, basically, looking to continue that, they issued uh, guidance of two hundred twenty-five million to two hundred thirty million. And they wound up delivering billings of two hundred and eleven million. So there was that dip there and it was that five percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know, it is what it is. But you know, Wall Street always anchors to those. Right. And of course. And th- this is again a company that I think has been struggling a little bit. You know, you, you look at their 
chart from midsummer or so, and like it's been a pretty precipitous fall. Um, and a lot of the things that were specific to this most recent drop off, uh, the management cited weakness in Europe. Uh, there were some shorter contract lengths, uh, lower average deals with some of their large enterprise customers. And so, on surface surface level, I think that looks bad. But again, I, I think this kind of goes back to what they were looking at from the previous year quarter. Um, a year ago, they signed a five-year, eight-digit contract with a federal agency, and yeah. so like that—that's huge, particularly when you're looking at billings in the you know two hundred million range. Like that's right. something that will heavily influence your quarterly results, right? And will kind of throw things off. That's so surprising to me because you know, just given the world we live in, and I, you know. J.P. Morgan Chase just had a data breach. That I, I would just think that people would just be throwing money at this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the is the bull case still intact? I think so. I, I'm still pretty bullish on it. And again, I own it, and a lot of fools like it. So, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I, I think with this, the story is still intact, right? Um, you know, we're, we're talking about this company is uh, like cybersecurity experts, and we're looking at the macro trend of some of these huge data breaches costing major corporations hundreds of millions of dollars in actual money and right. in you know lost brand equity, basically, right? And so um, they're the best in the biz when it comes to this stuff, and uh, I think it's something that's only going to become a larger problem. So I think they're extremely well positioned, and I think that story is still intact. Um, one of the things that I really like is that they're transitioning from a product revenue to a subscription revenue model. Um, so once they have people that are customers, they're getting this recurring revenue, which is obviously fantastic. Right. And I think it offers a lot of stability, so that's something to watch. Uh, one metric that I think is really great and just kind of is a testament to how good they are in their space, uh, their customer renewal, customer renewal rates are 90%. Awesome. Which is fantastic. Uh, real quick before we move on, what about that lovely... Negative, negative, negative. Free cash flow number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're turning that around a little bit. I think it was like for, through the first nine months of last year, they were like cash flow negative to the tune of like a negative one hundred and maybe one hundred and thirty million. And I mean, I are, assume that are, was capex. I mean, it was just massive investments. Yeah, I'd have to dig into the numbers to be sure. Yeah. But um, and they are cash flow positive uh for through the first nine months. Yeah. So so you're seeing that turn around. Uh, there's a there's a lot of things to be happy about. Obviously, this is not a stock for everybody. Um. You need to have a decent risk tolerance to be in this, and it's a small position for me. It's something that I, I think is a great space to be into. Uh, it's something that's going to become a larger issue, and um, you know, like they're well positioned for that. But again, uh, make sure that it's something that matches what you're looking for in your investments before you dive into it. Cool. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There, you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. So uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit in the second half of the show. I know. Usually Sean hosts, and I wind up providing the answers. But uh, do you, do you want to get up and actually switch chairs? Uh, yeah, I'm down. Should, should we do it? <laughs> <laughs> so this has been. This is gonna confuse everybody. Yeah, Austin probably hates us because we we might have just messed up the video. If only shot. I could do something with my but hair. We'll make it work. Anyway, how do we, do we look centered? We good? All right, we're gonna roll with it. Anyways, so uh, now sitting in the host chair, I think we can get on to the second half of the show. Uh, we're talking about beat up tech stocks. Uh, there's one. It's been in the space for a while. There's you know, one that just comes to mind whenever I say beat yeah. up tech stock. <laughs> when you talk about some of the maybe the older tech companies, like the the large giants in the space, uh, we're talking about Hewlett Packard, of course. Um, 
And so when we're talking about them, this is not Hewlett Packard of old. These are basically two separately run companies. Yeah, and actually, we would not have been able to say that just 30 days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, The board approved the split of Hewlett Packard into Hewlett Packard and Hewlett Packard Enterprise um, on October 1st. The split took place in October. Here we are on November uh, 13th. And uh, they've been publicly traded companies for less than, I don't know, three, four weeks each. Um, It's not been so hot. Um, this is the one company where it's they're 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 beat up because of earnings, but not the specific quarter. Um, basically, they split into two companies, and HP kept the PCs and the printer business. That's mm-hmm. a fast growing industry right there, <laughs> and um, enterprise, and both of them had terrible results last quarter. Um, if you uh, so I dove into the last quarter's results when it was still part of, you know, the original HP. Um, and I just wanted to see you know what these company you know, each new company would be doing. Uh, so for HP, um, in my notes here I have Aging Dinosaur. <laughs> I'm being particularly cruel there and I'm sorry to any of our HP employee listeners. <laughs> um, PC fail uh, PC sales fell in the second quarter thirteen percent year over year to seven point five billion dollars. Not great. No. Um, that includes desktops and workstations. Printer sales, which was for years HP's bread and butter. I mean, like that's the one business where you know you're going to get a quality printer. Right. Um, those fell 9% year over year to $5.1 billion. And that's just because we're all switching to digital photos and documents online. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you, when was the last time you printed out a photo, Dylan? Oh, photo? Uh, no. I, I, like The only things I print I, out now are like quarterly calls. I have a, so I can read I have them on a the 21 month old son. I mean, we do it every three to six months for the you know the annual photo shoots or whatever, yeah. and that's definitely going to dissipate as he ages, and then it's you shift to a year to year. I mean, every my son's whole life is on Amazon uh, Cloud. Yeah, I'm an AWS. My son's whole life is on AWS. Like, I, this is not good. Yeah. Um, the other business, which I'm slightly more bullish on, but even they had didn't have great results. You know, before the split, um, HP Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I termed them the minnow in the ocean. Okay. Um, because they get to, you know, they're their own company and they can in- focus more on R and D spending. They can really focus on their customers and they don't have to worry about the PCs and the uh, the servers and everything. Um, not the servers, the printers. Um, they get to compete now with the coming juggernaut that is Dell slash EMC. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> they get to wake up every morning and get to compete with them. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, Microsoft, Oracle, IBM. They're not slouches in this space either. I mean, this is not going to be pleasant. Um, so last quarter before the split, HP's enterprise services revenue fell 11% year over year to just under $5 billion. IT hardware revenue inched up 2% because they just better demand for a couple of their servers, which is, um, full disclosure, I know nothing about servers, but <laughs> the note said that it, uh, it was their x86 servers, um, but so that, that revenue is $7 billion. Um, both companies are free cash flow positive, and they kind of know where they're at. Uh-huh. Um they know full well that they're they need to just return cash to shareholders because they probably can't compete with Dell EMC or Oracle or Microsoft or something. Um, so both companies have committed to returning fifty to seventy seventy five percent of free cash flow back to shareholders every year in dividends and buybacks. Wow, I mean that's a <clears throat> that's a very shareholder friendly policy. It is, but Wall Street doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I say that because uh, both companies are so. Whenever you do a spinoff or a split or an acquisition or whatever, um, you need to tell investors what you get, think you're going to earn the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, both companies are trading, you know, post-split for about eight, eight times forward earnings for what they're expected to earn this year. That's not much. That is not a tech stock. That's no. not. That's not even a tobacco stock. That's yeah. like we don't think you're going to grow, and in fact, we think you're going to shrink a little bit. 
yeah. valuation. That's crazy. So something that you see most of the time with spinoffs or uh, with people kind of being smart about restructuring is they do it to uh, kind of silo struggling businesses, yeah. right? It sounds to me like we have two silos of struggling businesses. It's it, it's 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 the minnow in the ocean versus the aging dinosaur. If you had to pick one, the minnow could theoretically eat some plankton and then eat another small fish and then actually grow. And if I had to pick one of these companies to bet on, yeah. I would pick Enterprise because they at least have a shot. You went really deep into that metaphor. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I did that on the spot, too. <laughs> that was good. Um, so the Enterprise one is the one to watch. It's Yeah. they Wall Street is modestly bullish. Um, uh, the few analysts that have taken a deep dive and this is i don't want to call it speculative but nobody really knows what's going to happen in this because all these companies are black boxes like none of us do you know what the heck an enterprise company like yeah you know what i mean um the analysts that have a decent amount of experience um i did see one note from uh, barclays they think that earnings at the enterprise segment will grow forward you know as far as out as they can project which is about three years they they think they can grow earnings in uh over the next three years so that's at least modestly bullish but um Minnow in the ocean versus aging dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, n- neither of those are great prospects. But um, well, thank you for your time, Sean. You bet. And uh, that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that was industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and fool on.